Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hurdson. Tonight, we're going to break down the Eagles' thrilling come-from-behind victory over the New York football giants on Thursday Night Football. Also go over some of the key injuries to look ahead to on Week 7. Um, you know, just potential pivots. Is the guy actually hurt? Uh, what to do, you know, make of the backup situation? All sorts of good, actionable stuff. So thank you, as always, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the uh, Keep to Lead pod uh, uh, that just was released this morning on Thursday. I tried not to fanboy out too hard, but, uh, uh, you know, I think Keep gave some awesome information uh, just around some of the matchups entering this weekend. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. But let's get into this game. So the Eagles, I mean, oh my goodness, they trailed by 11 with fewer than five minutes remaining. Wentz had back-to-back 70-yard touchdown drives, made a number of great throws along the way, ended up bringing them all the way back to get the W. It wasn't, you know, a perfect game by Wentz by any stretch. We've kind of seen this out of him throughout the entire season. But in his defense, really, since those first three weeks, really, and maybe even like two and a half, but once that 49ers game came around, he started to play a little bit better in the second half. And then truly, over these last three weeks, it's been much more good than bad. Again, tonight wasn't perfect. I mean, he had an interception, three sacks. Wasn't exactly a situation where we just consistently saw him, you know, making the right decision all the time. You know, there was a stretch in the second quarter where I was saying, you know, he was pretty much uh, adapting Josh Allen style play. I mean, just rolling around. He's always been an athletic guy. He can create off script, but you know, it's one thing to kind of create off script for a second and then make a good good choice to throw the ball either away or or to an open guy downfield. Wentz is out here kind of throwing it all the way back across the field to Travis Fulgham, who anytime Wentz seems to kind of have a bad idea about where to throw the ball, he seems to go to Fulgham. And to his credit. Uh, Fulgham usually does at least make the most out of those opportunities. So uh, another big week, though, for Wentz with Fantasyland. I mean, look, if he's just going to be asked to kind of take this entire offense and put them on his back, he's going to continue to produce. It's been this rushing upside recently that's gotten the job done. He adds to that tonight with a little one-yard uh, read option. Chance for Boston Scott to get find the end zone early, but Wentz decided to take it and found his way into the end zone. So 14 carries, uh, excuse me, seven carries, 14 yards, and a score for Wentz. Also completed 25 of 43 passes for 359 yards and a pair of scores. Got Greg Ward inside the five-yard line and also got Boston Scott to win the game on a beautiful wheel route. I mean, they were right there at the one-yard line. And then uh, there was a face mask penalty that pushed him back. Wentz showed no fear, got it right there to his guys. So, again, not perfect game, but, I mean, the bomb to John Hightower for 59 yards was a beautiful throw. Uh, you know, Travis Fulgham had another nice five catches, 73 yards, with a lot of those being uh, nice ropes by Wentz. Fulgham had a chance to catch a touchdown in the back of the end zone that Wentz uh, – Put in a good position for him to be able to get, but honestly, just Fulgham. Uh, one, wasn't going to have his feet down anyway, and two, let the ball go uh, through his fingertips. So, uh, again, not the perfect performance from Wentz. Not exactly 2017 MVP material, but, you know, we need him to kind of play a little bit more erratically when there is now no talent around him again. So unfortunate that, you know, he wasn't playing well when the talent was there, and now the talent's gone, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, he's back playing pretty well, but he really has to try to put the team on his back, particularly with Jalen Hurts continuing 
getting to get some snaps here from time to time. So honestly, they're using Hertz almost as more. This is why I don't think Hertz is like an immediate threat to take over this job. I mean, even before uh, this game, because they're not even using him as like a real quarterback. He's playing more snaps as like a wide receiver and, uh, you know, just straight read option quarterback than he is actually, you know, dropping back and throwing. He did throw one pass and that was on a really strange two point conversion. They only had three offensive linemen there. We're trying to spread things out. Did not work. Kind of curious play calling by the Eagles in those two point conversion goal to go situations all evening. Uh, one time on fourth and goal, uh, they went with a fade to Hakeem Butler, tight end Hakeem Butler now, according to the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, interesting stuff there. I love how you know aggressive is. I love how aggressive Doug Peterson has been uh, with going for on fourth down over the years. But you know you wish that they could uh, just develop a little bit more uh, resources to try and figure out these plays. Uh, PFF Moo had a good point on Twitter, uh, just saying that hey, why don't why doesn't every NFL team hire three college coaches 365 days a year just come up with two-point conversion plays so it's a decent thought and uh, it would be smart to see the eagles or someone else you know put in some sort of a similar system uh with these running backs so it was the boston scott show everybody and look i was I was kind of worried uh, towards the end of the game. You know, I was I sat here on this podcast. I sat here on several podcasts throughout this week and, you know, said, please trust him as an RB2 despite that week one performance. And he ended up coming through with that beautiful, I believe it was 18 yards, 18-yard uh, touchdown catch at the end of the game. You know, pretty much was a one-hander. I mean, great catch by Scott on that. Had a couple explosive runs on that last drive as well. Overall, 12 carries for Boston Scott, 46 rushing yards, and also had five targets, which he caught three of for 46 yards in that aforementioned score. Uh, you know, Corey Clement was out there. We also saw Jason Huntley out there. Neither of them had more than two uh, ru- rushes. It was weird at the end. I mean, Corey Clement got the goal line carry, but truly every single time, I mean, we, there were drives where Clement or uh, Huntley were getting some reps, but truly seemed like they were just there to, you know, kind of give Scott a breather when he when he needed it or just, you know, a brief rest from time to time. Never seemed like it was a situation where it was a true 1A, 1B, like we saw in week one uh, with Miles Sanders potentially out again. We're going to be firing up Hunt. I mean, excuse me, firing up Scott as I don't know, borderline RB1 potentially, even in this economy. I mean, it is a is a matchup against the Cowboys next week. We know what running backs can do against them. I do think uh, Scott, you know, is definitely going to be someone you're going to want to start in the you know majority of your leagues next week if Miles Sanders remains sideline. With the wide receivers at Deshaun Jackson, they were really trying to get him the ball early. Had a reverse on the first play and a few targets. Unfortunately, took a pretty bad hit on a uh, punt return towards the end of the game. So looking like a situation where he could be in the concussion protocol or at a minimum, you know, just hopefully not in that position again. I'm not even sure what he was doing back there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen DJX uh, over the years make some amazing plays as a punt returner, but just not really sure why you're putting the guy uh, back there. And he's had so much trouble kind of staying healthy uh, over the years. But, you know, it is what it is. Please get healthy, DJX. Always love seeing that swagger hound uh, out on the field. Travis Fulgham had another nice game. 11 Team high 11 targets, caught five of them for 73 yards. Again, you know, mentioned he could have had a bigger game with the touchdown, but nice 40-yard catch. I mean, a couple chunks, and he was even open for other plays earlier in the game that once just wasn't able to get him to we can continue to treat this guy as uh you know kind of this upside wide receiver three borderline wide receiver two here moving forward uh djx being back i mean look he's going to be rotating with john hightower at the most it's a question of when alshon jeffrey comes back if he can maybe put fulcum uh, into a little bit more of a limited role but uh you know it could be a situation where we actually see greg ward kind of move back and we see fulcum almost become a big slot i mean again this is how many weeks in a row now that once is featured fulcum as number number one guy he's been the brightest spot of their passing game all season long they're not just going to willingly go out of their way and stop you know feeding the guy the ball so 
Hey, if someone wants to sell high on him, I get it. But Travis Fulgham, you know, as long as Jeffrey remains out, and I don't even think Jeff, if, if Jeffrey's dust, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I'm not sitting here, you know, saying that you need to be picking up Jeffrey and expecting this sort of production from him. But just he's been in the organization long enough that you do worry about Fulgham snaps uh, going down potentially if Jeffrey uh, does return. They want to tr- truly give him another chance. Until that happens, uh, continue to treat him as an upside wide receiver three. Last point on the Eagles, uh, Richard Rodgers, their tight end, caught six of eight targets for 85 yards. Wentz just loves feeding tight ends, man. You can put him on that list with Russell Wilson and, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson where, well, okay, Wentz has already enabled some awesome Zach Hurd seasons, but I always say about Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, if you ever just gave them one tight end, you know, for a whole season, that dude's going to be a lock for double-digit touchdowns. Uh, you know, there been some rumors about Zach Ertz, you know, potentially being out of town. Ertz had some awesome years, uh, you know, in Philly and just racked up those receptions, but really excited to see what Dallas Goddard tight end one season could look like later this year and into 2021. If you were able to get him uh, for a reasonable price, I'm not exactly sure when he's going to be back, but, you know, sooner rather than later, hopefully, and then it's going to be his full time job and we all know Goddard is a fantastic player when he's given the opportunities. Quick shout out to our sponsor before we get going. Sorry, everybody. Quick note before the sponsors real quick. I've had a lot of you uh, not, not complain, but just note on, on uh, Twitter that, hey, you know, Ian, hearing you swallow a little bit. And I am trying to work on that with muting the mics from time to time. Honestly, it's just very hard to not having a co-host or having any breaks to talk for, you know, for the Sunday spots, uh, uh, Sunday pods, especially uh, 60 minutes straight. Uh, obviously trying to do better on that and apologies want to make this experience as comfortable for everyone as possible so continue to give me feedback both good and bad I appreciate it just want to let you guys know I hear you I'm working on it seeing what we can do and uh, apologies in advance but on to our quick sponsor here just so you know this podcast is brought to you by pristineauction.com check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction pristine auction guarantees authenticity on every product use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice and we are currently giving away a signed Amari Cooper jersey. So please rate and view the podcast. We will be choosing a winner next week to get that Amari Cooper jersey out too. All right, on the New York football Giants. So Daniel Jones supplied one of the best moments of the entire season. 80-yard run. Read option. Joe Buck had already said that he's gone. And the turf monster got him. We've seen some amazing, uh, you know, sniper footage. I saw... uh, Steven Ruiz, who's a, g- a great follow on Twitter, he had a nice little edit of the uh, Blue Turtle Show from Mario Kart te- uh, taking down Daniel Jones all the way down the field. Just a you know a pretty hilarious play from Daniel Jones. They were able to score on the drive. Wayne Gallman punched them from a yard out, so it ended up being a joke. Everyone could you know get behind, but man, just brutal moment there for a second if they hadn't have been able to score. Jones is you know everyone likes to say sneaky athletic. He's just legit athletic. You know he kind of entered the league with a similar uh, profile to Josh Allen almost. So obviously. Josh Allen is a better runner, but we have seen Jones now for multiple weeks. As we've been saying, him running the ball truly is the best part of this offense. And I mean, you look at the rushing stats from the Giants, and it really is comical. Jones had four carries, 92 yards. Wayne Gallman, 10 carries, 34 yards. Devontae Freeman, three carries, eight yards. Deion Lewis, three carries, 23 yards, and lost a fumble. Freeman suffered an ankle injury and had to leave early. That's why Gallman was so involved and got that touchdown. Previous to tonight, I mean, Freeman was truly taking over that Saquon Barkley role. So Freeman remains out, everyone fire up Wayne Gallman as a volume induced RB2 it's a situation where you know posted this on Twitter like 
when Saquon went down, don't forget how many people were sitting there screaming that, okay, Deion Lewis is the guy. He's been the RB2 all season. He needs to be the guy now that Saquon's gone. That's not how these backfields work. And I mean, if we, you know, just look at last week, look at the Minnesota Vikings situation with Alexander Madison. That was one of the guys we were most confident in would take over. And even then, once a negative game script arose, we really saw uh, it was, uh, you know, Amir Abdullah coming in, taking a ton of those reps. So with, with this situation, and uh, if Freeman is out, I am expecting Gallman to be the lead guy well over Deion Lewis. And honestly, with the Bengals, we'll talk about it a little more later. Uh, yeah, I'll save that one for later. But, you know, keep this situation in mind when we talk about that Bengals backfield situation later if a uh, Mixon uh, is ultimately sidelined this week. But back to the Giants. So Daniel Jones overall passing uh, 20 completions on 30 attempts for 187 yards, pair of touchdowns, one to Sterling Shepard inside the 10-yard line, the other one to Golden Tate. Nice little like, 39-yard touchdown on a slot uh, kind of streak. He only had two targets. not uh, Both of them were contested. Uh, the touchdown, though, was great. You know, typical Golden Tate fashion, caught the ball cornerback fell down and golden tate you know backpedal into the end zone I, I haven't run the pff stats yet you know i apologize everyone but you know i would guess that golden tate has the most touchdowns over the past decade where he is literally walking backwards into the end zone but i'll, I'll see what numbers we can crunch and uh, how much i can uh, you know make sure that's true here moving forward but for now take my word for it uh darius slayton officially lost the battle for the big play slay nickname against darius slay uh, only two catches on four targets for 23 scoreless yards hey you know Darius Slay was there first with nickname first, and he just won the battle. So sorry, Darius Slayton, but you are just now Darius Slayton, and Darius Slay is big play Slay. The book is closed. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my TED Talk. Sterling Shepard had a great game, first one back. And shout out to uh, ESPN's Mike Clay, always doing really good wide receiver, cornerback, and projection stuff uh, over there. But really cool stat. So Shepard has now been targeted at least six times in 18 consecutive games. That excludes week two when he was hurt and left out their 15 snaps. But either way, man, Shepard continuously getting involved at eight targets tonight, caught six of them, 59 yards, and that score. And, you know, he's one of those receivers. I say this a lot about Jerry Judy, but, you know, you know, after a stealing Shepard catch and you see that replay hit and then they go to the, uh, you know, uh, solo shot of the wide receiver cornerback get your popcorn ready because this guy has some awesome routes. I mean, even his first one, just a little seven yard pivot, truly gorgeous sight to see. Now we have Evan Ingram who... Okay, did not help his cause at the end of the game. He had, uh, you know, Daniel Jones put one right in the breadbasket. Probably would have been a good 30-yard gain. As someone that's pointed out, I mean, going into this game, Jason freaking Witten had more receptions on a ball stone more than 10 yards downfield, two, than Evan Ingram only being at one. He did catch another one tonight and should have had a second one had he held on that one. But either way, I mean, it's still a situation where going in this game, he had the single lowest average target depth of any tight end in the league. And it's like the giant solution to try to get him more involved is just to hand him the ball like, on reverses and that kind of stuff so Look, Ingram is very athletic, but he is not John U. Smith. What are we doing with this guy in the backfield? Use Golden Tate like the true yak guy in your offense if you really want to be doing that. Why not just send Ingram down the field and force the defenses to try to respect that? So worked a few times. He got open. I know he dropped one, so I'm not, you know, not a situation where we can uh, stick up for him too, too much this week. But uh, it is a shame because I mean, when Ingram's been on the field over these past three seasons, obviously dealing with a lot of injuries, but when healthy, he's always been awesome. And the fact that he's been playing almost every single down this year and still to have you know the minimal production that he's put forward was a smash spot this week and wasn't quite able to come to come through six catches 46 yards and no three yards rushing i mean not not horrible but you know again he's going to be on that kind of borderline tight end one range which before this year you know was just really hard to fathom so a uh, quick uh, uh that's going to be the game again eagles 22 giants 21 
Great game all around. Quick shout out to our sponsor before we get on to these injuries. Monkey Knife Fight. That's right. You guys know him. You better love him because all first-time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight that put at least 20 bucks in their account while using promo code PFF will receive a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just 20 bucks, and you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest-growing fantasy sports sites in the USA in Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and toss your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. All right, everyone, moving on to some injuries for the main slate. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, nice article on PFF from Mario Pilato where he goes through the injury reports. You know, smart guy, knows what he's talking about with injuries, and he'll give you the updates on whether or not you should be expecting these guys to play. But, you know, going off of Mario's work and going off uh, off of just, you know, what we've seen from these players all year and just the injury reports for this week, here are my thoughts from around the league. So first off, DeAndre Hopkins has not practiced all week with an ankle injury ahead of the smash spot against the Seahawks. Look, it's okay. He had this in week four, didn't practice all week, questionable going into Sunday. He's only missed two games in eight years. Hopkins is going to be out there playing through the pain. And when he was playing through the pain earlier this year in week four, didn't look any worse for the wear. Continue to fire him up. The Seahawks have still allowed, it's like 157 or 147 more receiving yards, two wide receivers in the next closest defense in the league. And they have had a bye week. So Jamal Adams has not uh, practiced this week with that groin injury. Fire up the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins as a top three player at the position. Falcons wide receivers Calvin Ridley with an elbow injury and Julio Jones with a hamstring have been a little bit banged up. Ultimately, they were both limited on Thursday. Sounds like both guys will be good to go. Fire up with confidence. This Falcons-Lions game, I mean, you know, if there's a game stack to attack uh, in DFS this week, certainly not a sneaky one as I accidentally slipped out on a podcast earlier this week. But yeah, Falcons-Lions, expect plenty of points on the scoreboard in that one. Uh, John Brown, Bills wide receiver with his calf injury, has not practiced all week ahead of this, you know, potential big spot against the Jets. So we all know Stefan Diggs is set up well, but don't sleep on Gabriel Davis uh, getting some legit run if John Brown is sidelined. They're going to use Isaiah McKenzie too, and obviously Cole Beasley uh, should be number two guy in the pecking order but you know Dawson Knox is hurt too behind Stefan Diggs you know, someone else needs to get these targets and you know Gabriel Davis uh, I believe he's only 3600 on DraftKings might be a good pivot off of uh, you know Brashad Perryman at 37 who's not going to be chalky to begin with but you know Gabriel Davis catching passes from Josh Allen versus you know uh, Perryman catching from Darnold or Flacco you can see the potential appeal there. Joe Mixon with his foot injury. So I brought this up earlier. Uh, got the Bengals facing the Browns this week. Mixon has not practiced all week. So he suffered the injury in the first half last week. He returned and kept playing, but it was split much more down the middle with Geo throughout the second half. And I think that split approach in the second half would still be what we would see if Mixon ultimately doesn't play. I do not expect Giovanni Bernard to get the same, you know, 20 carry, three to five target uh, role that we've seen Mixon consistently get for the better part of these last three years. He's going to play plenty. I would expect, you know, eight to 12 carries with five plus targets potentially. That's a great role. That's like what Boston Scott just had. That's the reason why we fired up Boston Scott as an RB2. Just realize, I mean, this Bengals offense, quite a few more pieces to kind of throw the ball around to than Gio. They got a lot of good wide receivers out there, even Dusty AJG. 
But, you know, the thing here is they have Samaje Piran. They have Travion Williams. Like the Giants, don't assume that the, you know, more scat back prone RB2 is going to leap up into the workhorse RB1 role just because these other guys are inactive on game day. I know Piran actually got his first carry of the year last week. So Gio, you know, he'll be a borderline RB2, but I just don't think, you know, behind that offensive line against this Browns defense, it's going to be a great spot for someone that, again, is going to be flirting more with that 15 touch mark instead of, you know, the 20-25 that we would normally be expecting mixing the get i don't think travion or piran are going to have enough touches on their own to provide value but i think they are going to pull down geo uh cream hunt so he's been limited all week with this groin injury just make sure he's not going to be having an injury designation uh going into the weekend i have a dfs article going up on friday and you know making the cash game lineup i'm going to have to retool some things assuming he's fine and we get some uh, confidence with it because i love him in this spot this week uh, i would you know probably I would try to give him the flex or go down from Aaron Jones. We'll see. Uh, but if he does not have an injury designation, I mean, fire up Hunt with confidence because two weeks ago he started cramping in the fourth quarter. And then last week, I mean, it was just not even like comeback mode garbage time. It was just the Browns like pretty much wanted to go home and things were getting so bad for Baker against the Steelers. So just in terms of quarters one through three over the past two weeks without Nick Chubb, Hunt has by far and away been the number one back ahead of Dearness Johnson. So we saw in that Cowboys game uh, with the usage when Hunt was quite questionable going in you know it really was more split between Hunt Dearness Johnson even Dontrell Hillard getting some work once Nick Chubb went down but assuming Hunt doesn't have that injury designation fire him up as a legit top five RBs with confidence Quick note on the Cowboys, uh, Alden Smith with a neck injury and Zach Martin with a concussion, haven't practiced all week. It's concerning, and I know it's, you know, a decent bounce back spot for Zeke, but look, this Cowboys offense without Dak under center cannot be trusted. And, you know, against that Washington front, if you're going to take away Zach Martin now, already got the starting centers, and, I'm sorry, the start, starting center and the starting tackles out. Not good, fam. On the other side of the ball, though, maybe finally Antonio Gibson season. I know McKissick's still going to be involved, but man, if there's ever a week that Gibson could make you know those 12 to 15 carries he could potentially see really count it would be against an Alden Smith-less Cowboys defense so we already know it's Terry McLaurin week but particularly in DFS don't mind you know throwing a few shares out at uh, Antonio Gibson gonna happen at some point as much as uh, J.D. McKissick and Ron Rivera are making that uh, not happen so far. Broncos tight end Noah Fant with this ankle injury. So got in a full practice on Thursday. We're expecting him to play against the Chiefs. I mean, look, his rookie year stats have him on a select list with a bunch of future Hall of Famers or all pros. And of course, Chris Herndon. I'm not crying. You're crying. Uh, anyway, Fant this year, five catches, 81 yards in the score, four catches, 57 yards in the score, five catches, 46 yards, and then most recently, five catches, 35 yards in just half a game. So you can fire him up as a legit tight end one in this matchup. Drew Locke, I mean, I, I was already gushing over him enough this week but 18 yard average target depth let's get wild everyone fans one of the most athletic tight ends in the league hopefully Locke is not afraid to shower him a target I hope people have been throwing out the uh, fan splits with Locke last season he was truly playing through multiple injuries then I understand he's hurt now you know if we see the snaps come back and he is playing you know only 50% again compared to 80% we can have that conversation but it was it's not I don't think it's a situation at all where Locke isn't going to be targeting Noah Fant just because he doesn't want to I mean he's one of the best receivers on the Broncos might truly be the best one with all due respect to Patrick and Judy uh, right now with Chrome Sutton now 
Lions wide receiver Marvin Jones was uh, a DMP on Wednesday, got the limited on Thursday with a knee injury. You know, we just saw what Justin Jefferson did against his Falcons uh, secondary. So I think, uh, yeah, at least in D- the DFS streets, Jones is getting a little bit of un- uh, underdog appeal. Yeah, and I was kind of on him last week uh, going in that Jaguars game, but it was a Kenny Galladay week. Uh, had some stats going into last week about how basically in 2019, Galladay and Marvin Jones combined for 20 touchdowns, but they only scored in the same game twice. And, you know, we saw when Galladay did dud it was the Marvin Jones show so I really think if you're building these stacks you know as much as as much as it might seem like you want to go with Stafford uh, Galladay and Marvin might make more sense to go Stafford Marvin Hawkinson or Stafford Galladay Hawkinson so we'll see Marvin's been struggling all year but he continues to play pretty much every single snap I mean he's never really been a guy that is consistently, you know, just run the most pristine routes and separating. I feel like he's always just helped, uh, you know, winning with physicality, contested catch ability. And we know contested catch situations. He's one of the best guys we've seen really over the past uh, three, four seasons, you know, pull out whoever you want. But we had that four touchdown game against the Vikings last year. I feel like it's going to be a blow up at some point. This would be the matchup where that could happen. Uh, Bobby Tanyan, Robert Tanyan is uh, uh, looking not good for this Texans game with an ankle injury. Back to back, do not pra- did not practice, start the week. Also, Mercedes Lewis went from limited to a DMP with a knee injury so this could mean Jay Sternberger who I have you know not I have more than one best ball lineup with uh, Jay Sternberger in it that would appreciate you know Tanya and Lewis taking a week off uh, original offseason fantasy darling you know receiving friendly tight end that we really did think Sternberger was going to be the guy this year it could work. He's going to be cheap on DFS. I get it. I would be hesitant, though. There is certainly a goose egg, you know, uh, potential, even with Lewis and uh, Tanya out. Never know what the Packers are going to do. Could easily just, you know, go t- more two tight end. Uh, I'm sorry, two running back sets and three wide receivers. Far from a guarantee, even with those injuries, but interesting nonetheless for you gamblers out there. Uh, with the Texans, so here's a situation you'd be looking to target uh, instead. Jordan Akins with this ankle concussion back-to-back, uh, did not practice to start the week, so keep firing up Darren Fells as a legit borderline tight end one. Played over 80% of his snaps in three straight weeks, uh, you know, touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. Look, he's six foot seven and 270 pounds. He's, uh, you know, 34 years of age. He's not a burner, but Deshaun Watson likes him. Uh, he likes targeting him in the red zone. So last 24 games dating back to week one of 2019, Darren Fells has scored 11 times. That's almost once every two weeks. So I know he's got the two touchdown streak going, but truly... It's not really, it's not fluky. I mean, okay, the touchdown two weeks ago was fluky on a bus of coverage, but truly, Watson keeps going back the well with Fells when they're in the end zone. It makes sense that's more than ever without DeAndre Hopkins, considering, you know, the rest of their kind of pint sized speedster wide receivers they got out there. Uh, Sammy Watkins with his hamstring injury starting off the week with a DMP, not really expecting to play. So Demarcus Robinson is going to have a near every down roll again. He's a viable punt play in DFS. Just realize that it's Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Claude Edwards, Elair, and then uh, Demarcus Robinson. He's probably going to be number four option. And, you know, don't get sucked in too much here. Last year, uh, Robinson went off against the Raiders in week two. Didn't do anything the rest of the year. We didn't give him the same amount of shit that we gave Sammy because, you know, that's not quite as fun. But uh, Robinson is kind of in that same boom or bust mold with, with far more busts than boom in recent history. Um, yeah, Michael Hartman and Byron Pringle are splitting snaps, and I want to cry about that. Please do not play either of them unless Michael happens to score, and then I told you so. Uh, Justin Jackson has a knee injury and Keenan Allen with a back, but both have been limited in practice, and they should be good to go. I mean, I love this game going into a really any form of fantasy this week. I mean, both guys can be fired up and by both guys, obviously Jackson and Keenan, but particularly in the backfield, both Jackson and Kelly. I know last week or two weeks ago uh, before the bye, 
Jackson was in a situation where he got way more, he got got more carries, way more targets, but Kelly was the one that was on the field for all four of their snaps inside the 10 yard line. So this is a Jaguars defense that's allowed 30 points in every single game since week one. I mean, Justin Herbert, he's been playing great, even against tough competition coming off the bye. I think the Chargers cleared 30 with ease and all of, you know, Jackson, Kelly, Keenan, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry signed me up for each and every one of them. Michael Thomas is dealing with an ankle and now a hamstring injury ahead of this Panthers matchup. And it's a shame because, I mean, without James Bradbury there, I don't know who can guard uh, Michael Thomas uh, on the Panthers. I know Michael tell you that, you know, nobody uh, no, nobody can guard him, but particularly without James Bradbury on the Panthers, they're not going to be able to make it hard uh, for him. So, you know, not looking good. He went from limited on Wednesday to a DMP on Thursday with the new hamstring issue. Uh, yeah, if he's out, continue to fire up Manny Sanders as a legit, you know, kind of wide receiver three, upside wide receiver three, even kind of approaching that top uh, 25 territory. Him and Breeze have really been on the same page in recent weeks. Uh, Jets receiver room all kind of banged up. Crowder went from limited on Wednesday to a DMP on Thursday with the, with a groin injury. Rashad Perryman's fine though, and Sam Darnold still limited with the shoulder. So we'll see. Barrios would start if Crowder isn't in there. I think the bigger story here though is that Denzel Mims is reportedly going to be activated this week, and he's been practicing with the starters all week. So he's going to be in three wide receiver sets. Just $3,000 on DraftKings replacing Jeff Smith. So this guy truly has a great athletic profile. I know it's the Jets. I get it. But a situation where, you know, if Mims can even catch three balls and just get 50 yards or something like that, he's going to meet value as, you know, that far and away pump play. Also like Rashad Perryman at 3,700 if you're not feeling quite so crazy. Uh, Perryman did have, I, I believe, the eighth most air yards in the league last week. You know, if Darnold comes back in that shoulder, I'm a little worried if he's going to be wanting to air it out. And obviously that was with Flacco, that Perryman and had all those air yards last week. But uh, either way, all three wide receivers and Perryman, Crowder, and Jeff Smith uh, last week were playing nearly every down roll. So with Mims expecting to go in over uh, Jeff Smith, situation where he should be running the majority of the routes in the game. All right, four more of these situations for you guys, and we'll get out of here. Uh, with the Steelers, Deontay Johnson with a back injury. He's been full all week, expecting him to come back. And that's one knowing Juju Smith-Schuster, per usual, DMP on Wednesday with a knee injury, and now he's going to tough it out and continue to play. So... With Clay, with everyone healthy, Claypool's been rotating with Washington. So Washington, he's not even playing bad, but truly, I mean, Chase Claypool is averaging 14 yards per target this year. I think Washington's at 7.1. Nobody else is even over seven. So one target to Claypool this year has been worth double the amount of any other Steelers wide receiver, basically. Tough to be too confident about any of these guys at the moment. It sounds like it's going to be probably a four wide receiver rotation, but Claypool, they continue to scheme the guy, you know, inside the 10-yard line with the rush attempts and all sorts of other cool stuff in the passing game. I would go Claypool, Deontay, and then Juju. But truly, I'm, I'm pretty out on Juju at the moment. He's just not moving right. He's not getting the targets. And again, when they're designing the ball to go to one of these wide receivers, it's been Claypool all season. Deontay, you know, was showing uh, nice chemistry with Ben and everything. And I think he could uh, get back in that kind of low eight out, high volume role. But, you know, don't, they're not, Claypool's been their best wide receiver all season. They're not going to just suddenly take this guy off the field. Again, they have only drafted Santonio Holmes and Lexico Burris higher than him since the year 2000. They did not pick him to sit him on the bench this year, and he clearly is proving them right uh, for doing that. Uh, with the 49ers, so Jeff Wilson with a calf injury has been limited, and Raheem Mostert, uh, Kyle Shannon said, will most likely go on IR with a high ankle sprain. So if Wilson is out, we can feel good about Jermichael Hasty, who 
this week, George Kittle compared to Matt Breida. Everyone's saying how good that is. I mean, look, I, I like Matt Breida. There's nothing. He's so fast. He can receive. I mean, I, I thought he could do great things in both San Fran and Miami. But we also have, you know, Shanahan who traded him and then Miami who's now not even using him behind Miles Gaskin. So a uh, situation where, okay, I think Kittleman has a compliment, but I'm not quite so sure uh, how well that went over. But look, I think the big story here is we're not going to see McKinnon get that every down 92% role that he had, you know, uh, before when Moster was out. So in that situation, we saw Jeff Wilson not be involved, but that was awesome when Debo Samuel and George Kittle were out. I mean, at that point, I think McKinnon was truly uh, the number one uh, just option in that offense that they wanted to get the ball to, maybe with the only, only other exception being Brandon Ayuk. So uh, in the week since, even last week, I mean, Jeff Wilson was out, but once Moster went down, McKinnon was really working behind Hasty when they wanted to get the ball to someone on the ground. So if Wilson comes back, complete mess, three-headed backfield. Otherwise, I would almost favor Hasty to out-touch uh, McKinnon going into this spot. Honestly, I probably try to stay away from most people in this offense other than Debo and Kittle. I just think the you know chances of Belichick and the Patriots really having Jimmy G's number uh, makes sense, and they're obviously not an easy matchup to begin with. Slow-paced game, not exactly the matchup you want to you know be attacking in fantasy land. Uh, most start sick questions again other than Kittle particularly uh, I would probably pass with the Buccaneers, we got just all kinds of injuries here. I mean, just so everyone knows what they're going through. Goblin's got a hammy. Evans, uh, ankle injury. Gronk still has a shoulder thing. Scotty Miller with the hip and groin. And Leonard Fournette with the ankle. Everyone was limited, uh, except for Fournette, who's actually full. So we're expecting all these guys to be ready to go. Uh, just keep in mind, you know, as you're watching them, that they are playing through the pain right now. So the backfield situation, though. So Fournette, assuming he's good to go, Rojo's playing too well to be phased out. But, you know, is he going to keep getting 20, 25 touches per week? Probably not. I think he's going to go from that you know 20 to 25 to even 30 touch range to something more around 15 uh, every week I think he's the lead guy for sure but look LaShawn McCoy Keyshawn Vaughn they're taking the pass down work and Fournette's going to take something away if he's going to be active so uh, it's you know maybe he'll be the goal line guy but again I've talked about that being an overrated term if Rojo's on the field and again inside the three yard line unless it's a timeout or something he's going to continue to be that guy just treat Rojo as more of you know a top 20 RB instead of a top 10 RB that he's you know honestly been flirting with with Fournette completely out of the picture all right last one here with the Titans AJ Brown oh man A.J. Brown, wide receiver one season, might be getting yanked away from us, us again, people. It pains me to say this and break this news to you all. But A.J.B. downgraded to a DMP on Thursday after not even being on the injury report on Wednesday. That is not good. And it is the same knee injury. Maybe it's just a rest day, but you, you would think they could just write rest uh, in that situation. So we'll see on Friday. Hopefully just management. But, you know, even when he's been putting up these numbers, it hasn't been, you know, the same guy that just broke the PFF database and yak. He's kind of just been getting fed targets in the red zone and making them count. Look, the guy is a physical beast and he's got, you know, Tannehill playing out of his mind right now, giving him the ball. So situation where he's still making the most out of it, but, you know, would not be shocked if his, uh, knee really isn't uh, recovered and there is some issue there because again just haven't seen that same just absurd explosion out of him uh, for really this whole season good news is though Johnny Smith went from a limited to a full practice on Thursday Anthony Ferkser would be a legit start option if Jonah was out but not looking like that's the case continue to treat Jonu as a tight end one he has been all season uh, before we get out of here one more shout out to a sponsor if you like fantasy football you need to be playing on underdog fantasy my favorite new fantasy football app underdog fantasy just released an all new format for their snake drafts it's 
it's called Battle Royale. So in Battle Royale, you draft one week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other team in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format. The first Battle Royale is already up in the Underdog app and website, five bucks to enter, and has a 25K prize pool. Pays out five grand in first place, so make your first deposit today. Be sure to use my code PFF after you do let them know that I sent you. Thank you all for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ian Harditz, coming to you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Want to wish everyone the best of luck here on Week 7. Go get that money, and I will be back to talk to you Monday morning with recaps from all those games. So until next time, take care, everybody.